Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Everybody and welcome back to your favorite G.I. Joe podcast show. We've decided since we have just finished season one of series one G.I. Joe that now we are going to do something else. A palate cleanser. We can't do more G.I. Joe right away. That's insane. I am losing my goddamn mind. Palate cleanser would indicate that this is better than G.I. Joe, but it <laughs> is not. This is Knowing is Half the Podcast, and I am Ray Stacanus. I'm Robert Clark Chan. I'm Gina Abolito. And if we sound a little bit different, yes, we are still recording. I mean, look, this is pandemic 2020. The coronavirus has taken over, and we are all trapped in our homes. Fortunately, like we've it. got some, uh, yeah, we, we, we've got some technology to try and Help us get through, and so we'll see. We'll see. Apologies if it sounds a little weird, but uh, we're doing what we can. Yeah, I mean, I like, apologize look, you for play nothing. About the audio quality. Thank you. <laughs> Gina uh, has nothing to apologize for. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she has a lot to apologize for. Who are we kidding? I apologize for nothing. I mean, you don't have to. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, this is actually, you know, to be fair, a lot of this is uh, due to our friends at Patreon, patreon.com slash knowing the podcast who, uh, you know, through some of your wonderful support, allowed us to buy more equipment in order to do this remotely and have <laughs> it kind of sound not the worst ever. Yeah. So thank Although, you for that, everybody. Uh, just so you know, um, I, I uh, figured out everything that we needed to get and I ordered it on Amazon and sent it out to everybody. And uh, in true... Uh, knowing is half the podcast fashion, y'all ignored it and just like plugged Listen. some of it in and just forgot all of the rest of the boxes. <laughs> What's this thing do? Is it squeakies? I don't understand. It's not a cat toy. I'm just going to leave it in the corner. Look, we have established that I am not great at technology. So I would say taking out a microphone and plunking it down on my desk and plugging it into something is the best you can hope for. It's goddamn metal bars and springs. I mean, to be fair, I work in technology, and I'm also not good at technology. <laughs> Don't worry about that. I do want to say a special shout out to Channing Sherman, who suggested this episode when we asked for suggestions from our Patreon, because we want to let them, of course, help pick the episodes that we do that are not G.I. Joe, at least. And so and today we're shout doing... out. 
by shout out, he means angry <laughs> stares. I mean, from Gina, look, Surly. I thought this was a great episode of television. You did Don't not. Don't worry about what I said before we started recording. <laughs> this I, is an episode, like, this is a show called Clue Club. Clue Club, everybody. I like that Channing Sherman is clearly, clearly trolling us at this point. Like, he's trying to torture us. He knows we've been locked up in, in quarantine or confinement or whatever you want to call it. And look, Gina, this- we all, the whole point of Patreon is to torture us with terrible suggestions. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's the what mad I'm scientist or mystery science theater. Yeah, Channing what- actually understands what the show is, which is horrible <laughs> yeah. for us. But he did it right. I mean, this he is a Hanna right. Barbera. It's a Hanna Barbera, guys. How bad could it be? That's here. That's <laughs> the thing. I did not realize until the very end that it was Hanna Barbera when I saw oh, the really? credits, and I got that. It made me so sad. <laughs> as it was happening i was like this is like really terrible knockoff hanna barbera stuff like it's not even up to hanna barbera standards and then when the credits came i'm like oh oh so to to lay this out for the people at home clue club nominally is a full rip off of scooby-doo but i'd like to believe they're ripping off a lot more properties than just scooby-doo I don't understand how this is legal, first of all. Like, I, I do not understand how they can just copy it exactly. When we when we went into it, I thought, well, surely something is going to be different. Like, I thought maybe instead of ripping off a guy's mask at the end, like, maybe it's actually going to be supernatural. And that's the that's the difference is that is that they there actually are ghosts and there are which would have been cool. But no, it's exactly the same. No, it's not exactly the same, Gina. They replaced Velma with an incel, so we have that working for us. <laughs> also, there's there's two oh. dogs. And two dogs doing vaudeville the entire time. Yeah, so Hannah I, and And a 13-year-old girl who looks and sounds like she's seven, which is strange. Yeah. And did she not really have, like, complete... Uh, I thought it was Penny from Inspector Gadget. I thought that was a direct just ripoff of that exact yeah. character. Yeah. Highly I mean, competent for the long fact, girl with pigtails. I'm just saying. Right, except that Penny uh, wasn't created for another 10 years. Oh, crap. Penny oh, like is a ripoff of Clue Club. Yeah. Oh, God. So Clue Club true. did it first, guys. <laughs> what one of the Inspector Gadget writers went into the room and was like, all right, you guys, I've been watching this really great show called Clue Club. <laughs> It turns out like the one like voice behind Inspector Gadget was like just some some you know writer's assistant on Clue Club who's like I got an idea Don Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that'd be pretty good. So how Chanda, how does this theme song match for you? Because it did sort of lay out exactly what the show is. Uh, yeah. I mean, it did. Look, it followed it, the Chan rules of what you want out of it, a theme song. You know what? You can follow the letter of the law and still be violating the spirit. Like, like I don't know, like the violator from from Spawn. I was trying to think <laughs> of the most violating thing possible. And like, I mean, that's well, I guess a, a character one. from a Todd McFarlane comic book with violate in the name is probably as violating as it gets. So, I yes, like the fact that violate is a word now. It is now because we're living in pandemic times. We are. We living in a in a quarantine zone. All word rules are out the window. So this is actually episode one of season one of Clue Club. This is the introduction premiere. This is the introduction of the show. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's even worse. I mean, Uh, everything is there. Did you all did you also notice I was thinking, Okay, Clue Club. 
Scooby-Doo. Like, they didn't even try to try to vary up the title sounds. Nope. Now, I mean, like, okay, we'll break down these characters in just a sec so we can kind of see what I'm we're dealing with. But the name of this episode is The Paper Shaper Caper, because I guess at that time nobody would heard of origami before. So the idea of a paper crane blew minds. Yeah, yeah, it really did. When the, when the first showed up, I was like, oh, this is 1976, and we are woefully uh, uncultured. I did. Well, no, well, I did. I, at some point, they do eventually say origami, but throughout the entire episode, they keep saying folded paper. And then finally, at the end, someone says origami. Yeah, when they're when they're doing the final layout of how this caper went down, they're like, "There's a thing in Japan called origami." It's like, yeah, but I guess you're right. If this, I didn't even realize this was that old, 1976. Holy, me crap. neither. Actually, that that actually makes me go a little bit easier on it, to be honest. Ha- had we even heard of Japan in 1976? Is that was it even there? Like was it even 19, there? 1940. In 1945, we we kind of had some uh, some dealings. Oh, okay. I hope hopefully people would remember. <laughs> I, I don't saying. know what you're talking about, and I choose yeah. to ignore it. <laughs> yep. USA, nope, USA. <laughs> so this episode begins with a, a new technology called a giant dish. And our hero, uh, Larry, who's not Fred, it's Larry, which I Larry. think, you know, sure, Larry. Remember when that was a name you could just have, and it <laughs> oh, wasn't yeah. like like a sleazeball in the 70s there were yeah, larry a lot Storch, of larry hagman oh yeah. what about larry appleton from perfect strangers Le- leisure from suit larry like leisure, there's no, no yeah i think is it possible no leisure suit larry just ruined it for everybody <laughs> i guess i mean honestly larry hagman did his his part i do feel like it's always the same type of guy though it's a brown curly haired guy like i'm thinking of larry from perfect a brown, strangers cur- a, brown a brown guy a brown guy with curly <laughs> hair no. Brown Dang, hair. Gina getting racist. <laughs> Jeez. Is that even a, so it's a chan basically is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is what you're trying to Larry's, say, Gina. All Larry's became chans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the last Larry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, so Novelization. Sad. Science fiction. The last it's Larry. Just, it's just the last unicorn, except it's Chan's head on that sad unicorn. <laughs> Unicorn, unicorn. I'm sorry, Larry, Larry. (laughs) So uh, Larry is showing off this. He says, this is a thing that's going to help us with crime fighting. And I'm looking at it and it's a giant like four foot dish with a large. What would you even say? That's it's, it's a huge machine that it has to be strapped to. He's like, how would you even take that around for crime fighting purposes? No, that's that's like classic spy stuff. That to me, of all the things in the episode, that to me made sense. It definitely really? seems like something that you could buy out of a comic book ad. Yeah. Oh yeah, without question. And then, she's, and, and then uh, Pepper, who is the blonde girl, who it really gets a hard time in this, but is probably the most competent one of all of them. I feel like this is this was their nod to women's lib in the seventies. Like all of the dudes are giving her shit, but she is uh she's competent, but then also sometimes ditzy so that like uh guys aren't put off by how competent she is. It's I a feel- real weird mix. Am I am I wrong? Larry never actually gives her crap. It's just the weird 
incel it's Danny. incel Danny. He's the one who gives her the... He's basically... She no, can't say Didi. anything without... Oh, Didi? I have Danny. Didi. I don't know. Yeah. Didi. Yeah. Didi the man? I hate there him. There was a time... <laughs> I hate him so uh, much. Didi Ramon, like, I guess there was a time when uh, men could be Didi's. You know, yeah, maybe he... just in my brain, I was like, well, Didi can't be right. <laughs> It's it's also like it's a strange choice to me because it's it's you have the the hot guy Larry, the hot blonde girl Pepper, and the only character who's a dick is also the unattractive dork. It seems like it seems like too much to me. Right, Shaggy was argue, lovable. Yeah, what does Danny add to the team? Because he's incompetent and an asshole. Yeah, I don't and also it's it's really weird because in in Scooby Doo and I'm not by any means saying oh Scooby Doo's the greatest ever but they they seem like friends. There is some camaraderie. It, this feels like three random people from Extras casting who are told to be on a <laughs> show together who've never met each other. Like they they don't there's no there's no camaraderie. There's no yeah, it's just a very odd and then the dogs themselves are so weird. At oh, first, I, I thought, the oh, there's supposed to be like a Cheech and Chong thing going on here. But I wasn't sure if one was supposed to be scared and one was supposed to be dumb or one was supposed no, to be. No, this is this is a boss hog uh, cooter situation. Oh, my God. That's oh, you just nailed it. Yeah. The dog's names are Woofer and Whimper. And yeah, Woofer which I is a that, larger dog. Yeah. Wouldn't you think that Whimper, because when I heard it, I thought, oh, OK, so he's going to be the the scaredy, the scared one. And or I thought, oh, they're going to have some sort of Scooby-Doo, Scrappy-Doo vibe where maybe the little one is brave and the big one is scared. But their characters made no sense to me until Chandra said that. No, but yeah, because Woofer is large and completely incompetent and scared, but yet has the aura of command around him. And Whimper isn't particularly more competent. He's just not as scared and he just takes shit the entire time from woofer and that's their relationship yeah it's not good gina are these dogs you can get on board with i you know what i'm i'm on board with any dogs but i i still i just still don't understand them i don't understand what's going on i don't understand why the little one is humoring the big one i wasn't sure throughout the episode if people could understand them or not it's, I was wondering that strange. myself. <laughs> I don't think people can understand them. I think it's I, I different think than Scooby Doo. No, it's Scooby Doo. They just... can't understand him, can they? Well, Shaggy can, can't he? Uh, but I, well, I no, I he, he, but Shaggy's he talks, really high. So he, yeah, he he talks in a way that is a uh, uh, semi uh, intelligible to everybody, so they can all understand what he's saying. But what he's saying is uh, half garbage. Yeah. Uh, and these these dogs, I think, are in the tradition of uh, a Garfield who are talking, uh, but uh, humans don't understand. Yeah, but it's like and they, they okay. didn't really even animate their voices. So I'm wondering if they just let them just improvise and then they just put what put that over whatever the heck they they just animated because it doesn't line up at any point at all. Uh, this actually sounds like a really smart cost cutting measure. I mean, why not? You know, that's what I'm saying. So so they have this giant dish and they find six blocks away. The uh, printing press at the newspaper is is going off, but the newspaper is not supposed to be open. Now, why this is any of their business to begin with, uh, maybe is my first question. How uh, small a town is it that the newspaper doesn't run on Sundays? Because what was like the dude goes fishing or something? The dude goes fishing on oh, Sundays. I miss allegedly. That. 
Because every, every listen, every single guy is not every single person on the show that is not these guys is not helpful and is suspicious. So you have to work through that. But I was wondering one of the things that I did not follow through the episode was that yeah, they seem to be like acting as the local police, but they're just a bunch of kids because at the end they tell who the sheriff or something like, here's what happened. And the sheriff's like, that's good enough for me. Let's go arrest them. Not even that. It was like, okay, I brought all of these people together as if we're in an Agatha Christie novel because you children (laughs) told me the chief of police to do that. And Mm -hmm. we should point out also they break into not one, but two different places that they do not belong. Mm hmm. They are the criminals here. Also, can I just say that, like, in Scooby-Doo, you know, they have have sort of scary ghosts that turn out to be usually oil barons or something. In this, the bad guy dresses up basically like he went to a shitty prop theater at a shitty comedy theater. Weirdly enough. And took, took whatever was laying around. Like, he, like, at some point is dressed up like a crappy Viking and then a crappy pirate and as i was okay, watching we gotta, I was we're going to break this, that down i, I was thinking this would a- make sense if this was live action and they like didn't didn't want to have a big costume <laughs> budget but they could have little, literally drawn those in, them into any outfits yeah there's a there's a there's so much and that that's the thing about this show that blew my mind and uh is that it's so derivative and yet someone somewhere was like I am going to make the most um, like just uh, twisted layer upon layer uh, plot imaginable. Like he was thinking, he was thinking like it's uh, 2008 and like, I'm going to make the breaking bad of 1976 (laughs) uh, in, in a cartoon form. I'm going to blow minds. And then just like what came out was almost unintelligible garbage. It really was. And like, if, if you really break down this plot, because you find the, at first you get introduced, so they go to the printing place, they break into the newspaper, and they get called out for it too, which I found delightful. Uh, eventually, so the the dogs f- see that there's a monster guy, and Pepper proves that she's the most competent one because the guys are trying to like crawl over this thing, and she's like, "Yo, there's like a door right here. Like, what are you doing?" Yeah. And so they yeah. End up, they end up meeting a barbarian, a guy dressed as well the dog, no, the, the barbarian, a, no, a Viking, right? Viking, well, yeah. I, you know what? He looks like a barbarian to me. He was. They did refer to him as a Viking later. Okay, and I'm okay. just like, whatever. That's fine. He's not. I mean, he's got a pointy hat, I guess. And the dogs I, run away from him. Yeah. I first of all, uh, this at the end of this, I realized this felt like an episode of TV that was written by ten different writers who never saw okay, sure. another section of it. Uh huh. Like, basically, they were given a sort of loose plot of it. Like, oh, there's, there's, you know, like, a, a someone broke in. There's a printing press thing. And then each person wrote two pages of this. Because it does not connect well. <laughs> no, none of these <laughs> none of these plot points match up. And it's upsetting. So they walk in. It's, it's The whole place is dark, but the printing press is running. And there's nobody there. So they're like, well, that's weird. At which point, the owner, uh, Hank, comes in. And he says, hey, what are you doing in my newspaper? I'm just getting home. Also, you broke my printing press. And they were like, yo, it was working a second ago. And it's like, uh, I don't know. He says, I have a lot of enemies who 
who don't like my newspaper, uh, okay, then hire one security guard, maybe. I'm just putting it out there. Dude, this guy doesn't publish his paper at least one day a week, and my guess is probably more. He probably just does it on weekdays for an audience of, I don't know, 40? I'm actually picturing this is not not a mainstream publication. This is like an Alex Jones style. Yeah, I think this guy... I think that this guy owns the only like local paper in town and it's a, it's the it's the 1976 version of Next Door. Like okay. he's just he's just po- he's just posting articles about like oh there's some riffraff. I don't want to say that they're not white, but you know. <laughs> oh. Does this anyone like know Next who Door. this? <laughs> this is a racist penny savers what you're saying. Yeah, it's mo- I feel like it's mostly that kind of stuff and then and then like also oh the stray cat problem is getting really out of hand. Dude, next door gets real fucked up, like for real. Like people talking about like dead bodies and like animals and stuff and it's just <laughs> I, like what I, is I Panorama City? So you are a disaster. Oh, Let's, yeah. I'm afraid to leave the I, house I even, even think- before the quarantine. I've got the Valley Glen NoHo area one, so it's it's somewhat tame. Although you know, there's always there's always like, who's this crazy man by the Seven Eleven posts? But yeah, I tell you what, someone got a picture of the guy who was uh, stealing uh, uh, bike stuff, and I'm pretty sure that's the guy that stole my tires. So let's really? uh, you know next door, but uh, I, I'm a thumbs up on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they 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 took a picture the other day of a guy that was coughing on folks. So, (laughs) Uh, next door, when you want to know what your racist boomer neighbors are up to, (laughs) we're sponsored by Next Door this episode, by the way, guys. So, thank you, Next Door. You do a good job of finding people's lost dogs, Next Door. And when I want to read about people complaining about fireworks, I only go to Next Door. I like those posts. People shouldn't be letting off fireworks. This isn't Kentucky. No, this is America where we love fireworks. Thank you. I mean, explosions are pretty great. I'm not going to lie. So we have our next, our first clue. Next clue. First clue. It's a swan origami. It's an origami swan. It's a paper folded swan that they just happened to find. And then, I mean, like, why? Why is why, this here? Why? That's what I why? want to know. I want to know that. There? I thought I thought maybe at some point we would get an explanation like he like he secretly wanted to get caught because uh, you know I, like I don't I don't know. I don't know what the explanation is, but I, well, I know what the explanation no, is and it's not a good one. Well, but no, also, this is the, he, like so so many of the things in this feel like they are um well-trodden tropes that uh, you would expect to find in 1976 because there's a lot of like Hardy Boy type stuff, you know, Encyclopedia sure. Brown type Encyclopedia stuff. Encyclopedia Brown, thank like, you, yeah. Yeah, like the the bad guy is dropping a clue that uh, like I, I, obviously a real criminal is not going to be carrying around friggin' origami in his pocket and dropping them like uh, like the Joker, like, oh, tr- uh, like he doesn't want to draw the Batman, he's just and then just he was bored while the things are printing and he just made it and then left it there. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was supposed no, to be I mean, to be fair, in real time. Yeah, the 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 actual explanation, I think, is just because the guy's a magician and is compulsive and can't control it. Like, no, just, he he, he has to, to make use them. it in his act. So that How would does be that like explain why it's there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It would be like if if uh, if you. I don't know, uh, stole somebody's printing press to uh, to counterfeit stuff and they found you out because you left like 
betas of video games that you were testing, uh, uh, like in the <laughs> oh printing press. Cast boom mic. Must Chan, be Robert do called not, Chan. Chan, do not give him any ideas. Okay, you know how impressionable <laughs> Ray is. Now he's going to live the rest of his life trying to pull off the perfect crime where he can leave a beta around. Look, I if found he a can four-year-old copy of a Square Enix game, I think Ray's <laughs> been here. If Ray can find a printing press that is used for newspapers that can also be used to print for counterfeit money, money <laughs> I mean, spoiler then, alert. you know what? More power to you. More yeah. power to you. <laughs> so, okay, we go. We meet Hank, uh, the owner of the of the newspaper. Uh, we meet the sheriff. Great. We also meet Miss Twitch, who plays the organ and the church, and is apparently the secretary there or something. I don't I, know. I don't understand Ms. who Twitchell. Twitchell, excuse me. But like, what's so? What's her? Who does she work for, and why is she there? What's happening? She's a she church works for the newspaper. organist. That's but I think she, she's the know. secretary. I don't know. Maybe. Look, this but is a very confusing she... show. <laughs> yeah, she's she's the church organist, but she also wants to print her own music, right? Is that the is that yes. the connection? She writes music and she wants yeah. to print her own music. So she can't just write her she can't write it down on paper like ordinary people. They make paper to do that. She needs a printing press. Yeah, yes. I don't. So, I'm I'm confused. Well, our Wait, how many gang, printing presses are there? <laughs> a lot. Just oh, one. No, no, we're going to break one. down this at the end and figure out exactly where every step of this doesn't make sense. But um, okay, so they get home and they're saying uh, they're very snoopy. They know everyone's business because they say it's almost midnight. Miss Twitchell isn't home yet, so that's suspicious. And I'm like, maybe she likes to fuck. Let's just start there. Okay. Yeah. I'm more uh, they on find board out with that this the paper, now. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what? You leave Miss Twitchell alone. Let her get hers. <laughs> um, they break down the paper and find out it's from the Universal Paper Company and somehow has right in the middle of the paper a serial number written on it, which is not good for paper you would use to print things. <laughs> no. No, no, that is very normal for newspaper paper to have serial numbers on them and to have a paper company trace who purchased trace that. Trace who lot. bought it. So they have to trace the serial number. Very to normal. Figure out who bought it. And I just wrote here, these dogs freaking suck. These dogs are terrible. They are not fun. They are not funny. They are just obnoxious. How dare Gina, you? Gina, come on. I you cannot I, be on board with I these I still dogs. don't understand them, so I'm more confused, but I don't hate them. I feel like they're they're preferable to the humans in the episode, so that's where I'll go on that. Oh, you know that what? Is, okay. That's, that's a low-ass bar, low. but they <laughs> do low. clear it. Yeah. So they, yeah. They also know the fact that Miss Twitchell shows up at 9 a.m. for her job every morning because they just somehow stalk everyone in this particular tri-state area. I, mean, I have never given that info. Right? I think they just knew it, I thought. Uh, no. Um, oh, okay. Was that in this part of the yeah. series? And here she comes. Come on, let's check her out. According to Mr. Kittredge, Miss Twitchell shows up every morning exactly at 9 oh, o'clock. Okay. There we go. Okay. So yeah. Also, you can hear the accordion music in the background, for there is an accordionist getting me on board with this episode a lot. By the way, I don't know. I didn't. I don't know how I missed the accordion player, but at the yeah, very end. I don't know how you end, missed that either. At the very end, when they reveal the accordion player, I wrote down, what? Because I had not <laughs> seen anything about this prior. 
Well, Gina, I would just argue that you are just not prone to look for accordions the same way that I am. I <laughs> notice them immediately every weird. time. I uh, do. I mean, we're yeah, we're, we're not there yet, but this is this yet. is why I but think I that we the the person who wrote this thing was was dialed in and he was like, I'm going to make the most genius work ever. I'm going to leave clues and it's going to be airtight. You can go back and watch this thing a hundred times and find something <laughs> new every time. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. He really thought he was making something great. So um, they go in to talk to Miss Twitchell, who is not helpful. They get nothing from Miss Twitchell. Like, yeah, she thanks for wasting her time, Miss Twitchell. As- Fuck. Like she yes, is she does. evading their questions, which also I wasn't sure why. <laughs> if you go with my she was getting laid last night theory, that also makes sense because she doesn't want to talk about it. She's a lady. Wait, do we ever find out where she was? No. Yeah, she was playing yes. the organ. Oh, yes, yeah. she was playing the organ at the That's abandoned right. theater. We'll get there in a sec. So right. they get a they find out that the paper itself was sold from Apex Printing. So we go talk to Mr. Apex, which I thought was just a, an interesting choice. You know, not everything has to be named for someone. I'm just saying. <laughs> we don't go to John you, Google to find but, out but, what's going on at yeah, Google.com. We do. T- Tim Apple, you mean? Tim Apple, obviously. Uh, uh, John Pontiac. John Pontiac. So we go to Apex Printing, where we find out that they were fired by the newspaper as a supplier. And uh, that makes Apex mad. And so we have a whole, like, they get nothing from him again. And they, and of course, Incel blames Pepper uh, because she happened to say his name before he was in the room. That's not fair. How could she have possibly known, one, that they didn't like each other, and two, that he was about to come into the room? Bad job, Incel. This is not Pepper's fault. Uh, I mean, nothing in this episode is Pepper's fault. Nothing. Well, no, she is, a, she is like a, um, like giving away their game um, by saying it out loud in a place where she probably shouldn't, which is why I was saying Fair. it's like he this baited weird... her. Yeah, I yes, know. But did. like what I'm saying, it's this weird thing where uh, she does things that are uh, like a little bit dumb for completely uh, illogical and bizarre reasons that like don't make sense for the character. Uh, and like they, they make her like weirdly stupid, but also weirdly competent. In a this way that just doesn't make sense. This yeah. is what I'm saying. So, it feels like it's written by several different people. <laughs> they, they're told you cannot hang around this apex uh, printing area anymore. And so they said, let's just break in when everybody goes home, because yeah. that's what you do. And so Pepper, despite that, you know, apparently ruining this moment, she knows how to drive a forklift and she crashes open one of their garages, which is wildly inappropriate and is not okay that, that definitely did hundreds of dollars worth of damage <laughs> structural mean, damage to the building so they break in and then the uh, viking monster chases them into a file room and goes away i didn't really understand like what his game was here because uh, allegedly he was there to find the same file that they find in the filing room but instead of just going in and getting it and coming out, he makes a lot of noise, chases them into the one room he needs to go, and then leaves without the thing he's there to get. Yeah. B- bad job, Viking? Yes, 100%. <laughs> I, the, the other thing about this is that he's not wearing a mask, right? He's just nope, literally got a hat on over his fully visible head. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, okay. Well, it could be like because, a G.I. Joe because, mask. It didn't really look like him like when he took the did, thing off, but also... didn't. Uh, I don't, uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand, like, yeah, I don't understand the logistics of this cartoon. <laughs> 
G.I. Joe will return after these messages. You're looking at an incredible new plane, the G.I. Joe Conquest X-30. The G.I. Joe Conquest X-30. Imagine being aboard it as it takes flight. Here's Cobra! The G.I. Joe Conquest X-30 is gonna meet Cobra in a big dog fight. And Cobra's gonna know you can't beat G.I. Joe. Live the adventure of G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe Conquest X-30 comes with pilot. Joe, Joe! Now, back to G.I. Joe. The no, power of costuming. None of it makes sense. So they, they, they get trapped in there, so they write a note, a coded note in a hollow bone, because kids love what? decoder rings. Let me talk about that. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. this would be fun if you were a little kid. Yeah. That Yeah, that's all we got. It's some stuff is just in there because little kids would like it. Yep. And so the dogs, uh, you know, the dogs have a whole uh, comedy, quote unquote, sequence where they get trapped in rolls of paper uh, that unroll and roll with the dogs in them. And then they go ahead and just deliver the coded message anyway. So back at the apex place, they find the file and the lights immediately go off. where They're about to read the important thing, which I found to be just delightful. And it turns out that this uh, theater bought all the paper from the from the origami so here we go we're figuring this out right now so they go to this oh they also find sheet music okay cool uh why there's sheet music in this file why there's a file like why i'm I'm having a hard time with all of it right now but those are our clues i mean here's the thing um uh, 10 years later these same people would be writing uh, your point and click adventure games and types of things where oh, you have God. to uh, click on the thing. And it's like, oh, here's a clue that will help you, you know, solve the mystery. Um, These are the people who inspired Zork. Yeah. And while I love Zork, I also hate Zork. <laughs> I mean, it's it's real primitive shit. Uh, you know, you're not wrong about any of this. Like, why would you find that in there? Because you do. Okay, great. Let's move on. (laughs) Otherwise, none of this would make sense. So just well, weirdly enough, Chan, (laughs) (laughs) we go to the theater to find out it's been destroyed and it's been knocked over. And they, they believe it's some sort of grand conspiracy. Like, oh, what a way to destroy evidence. Let's destroy the theater. No, the dog, the dogs are the ones that say that, right? I thought it's not like it's, it's not a legitimate theory, is it? Okay, I'll be honest. This is a point where my brain started to melt over itself, and like a I, pot of boiling water that overboils <laughs> yeah. the pot. This is what yeah, my brain I was doing I, at this I, point. I feel like I missed a bunch, but I did think that the dog, you know, the dog that always thinks he knows everything, says, "Oh, they're destroying the building. That's a way to destroy evidence." Or maybe it's Dee Dee. The fact that I can't tell the human characters from the dog ones is bad. <laughs> uh, here, hold on a sec. For a piano or organ. And who plays the organ? Miss Twitchell. And she's disappeared. Come on, let's check out the organ theater. To be demolished. Jumping hotcakes. Somebody's trying to destroy a clone. Oh. Yeah, that was Dee Dee. Okay, was Dee Dee. it was Dee Dee. There it is. God. Yeah. Dang uh, it. Somebody's trying to destroy a clue. It couldn't just be the fact this theater stopped making money and is being destroyed to, to put luxury condos in. Well, no, at the <laughs> beginning, they mentioned that the owner of the newspaper was the one that got the place condemned because it was a piece of shit. Yeah. So they were demolishing it because it is a hazard to human life. So we meet Clem Whitaker who is the owner of the theater, who is hanging out inside this demolished ruin. <laughs> I mean, that's suspicious like right do. there. 
They do a bit yeah. with a quarter where he has a quarter in his pocket, but there's a hole, so it falls out. So he hands him the quarter. Yeah. And, and, at this and point, I wrote huge, I wrote, huge che- reveal. Yeah. At this point, I wrote Chekhov's hole because I <laughs> I knew hole. that no I knew that no matter right. what, it was going to be related to this hole. No, but yeah, because it's, it's that classic uh, porn rule where if there's a hole, it must be filled <laughs> by the end of the uh, porn, right? Chekhov but I'm, wrote I that. Missed, I don't know how it's how it plays in. Are they saying that he had the that there were origami papers in this guy's pocket that were falling out? How does the hole in the pocket? Oh, I can explain that at the very end because it's not the actual coin itself. It's the fact that he tipped his hat when he said thank you. That's what I thought they said, but. I so it has nothing. No, no, it doesn't hole? make sense. I still don't understand. Oh, God damn, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'll, I'm going to break all this down, guys, because it's so obvious. Um, they he they say, "Can we see inside your ruined, abandoned theater?" He says, "No," and they go, "Cool, we're just going to break in anyway." So they wait till he leaves, and they break in. Now there's a second character, a pirate, who's playing the organ and then runs away. I, sure, they find yeah. more paper clues, uh, and then they, also- now they meet a third monster, the magician. Yeah, and and this is when I this is when I wrote oh so there is because he's appearing and disappearing, and so I yes, wrote he's actually made of magic. So at this point, I I actually thought oh okay so this is going to be the difference between this and Scooby Doo is that there is actual magic there are okay. actual monsters right. that's what I that's yeah. what I thought which I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, immediately they he disappears. Uh, the kids who then they're like, oh yeah, we fell through a trap door. So yeah, he yeah. pushes them into a closet yeah. where they disappear one by one. But there is a scene where they're all standing like basically in a clump together, and then a hand pushes uh Pepper into the cabinet, and then literally they turn and he is gone. Yeah, he and he. They show him disappearing. It's not like like on Scooby on Scooby Doo. They'll say, oh well, there was oh it, there was a trap door. Or, oh, he came out of this thing, or he came out. But they have camera on him. When he disappears into fairy (laughs) dust. Yeah, usually it's like there's a projector and some flash paper. I mean, there's something. Well, in this, uh, this is like that one G.I. Joe episode. uh, Was the Birdman Alcatraz or something where he like taps on the uh, uh, dude's shoulder and then literally in in a (laughs) in a cell in an eight by eight cell turns around. He's gone. But But they do reveal later in that episode that there was a trap door. Right. But even still. Exactly. But even that, right, I, w- I will buy it because because the camera isn't on him. But the second yeah. you put the camera on him, <laughs> <laughs> you have established you magic at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm on board with all of this. Um, so here we go. We're in, we're in the home stretch, everybody. Uh, they find more paper origami because why not? They find a broken printing press down there in the basement of the theater. And they all get stuck down there, but then Dottie, the 13-year-old girl, makes the save. And they say, what are you doing here? And she's like, saving your butts. And they're like, well, I mean, cool, but cool. And then they come back up to the theater where they find Miss Twitchell is playing the organ in the basement of this theater. And I'm just, I'm completely lost at this point. But they say, let's get everybody together for the big reveal in the morning. We got this. Yeah. <laughs> I somebody would talk right there. That's I no, have, no, I have nothing no. to add to it. It's you know too what? insane. No. And Ray, Let's go right Ray to it. Yes. when we go in uh, to edit this, leave that pause there. <laughs> leave Let's that leave pause it. in leave so it. everybody knows how, <laughs> how fucking bonkers this is and how completely nonplussed we are 
three yeah. reasonably smart individuals, <laughs> one of whom writes television for a living, and we are baffled by this thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kept sort of like rewinding it and saying because I legitimately thought I was missing something. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Uh, no. Okay. So it's guys, technically all there, but it's in such a weird, uh, just fucked up, jumbled way that. Um, I, I don't even know. Like at this point here, and I like in my notes in all caps, I'm like, why is there an accordion player here? Which yeah. turns out to actually be relevant, but also uh, weird in an almost Lynchian kind of way. Just like yeah. random shit that happens to be there. And like, oh, it actually is all supposed to be there, but it still doesn't make any sense even when you explain it. So, yeah, guys, I'm going to explain it right now. I'm going to explain the caper because we've got Please it. Figured. Do. And I'm also going to go into why it makes no sense every step along the way <sighs> and ask questions because the, that we will be unable up. to answer. <laughs> this does not add up. OK, so here we go. So the uh, eventual real bad guy. Well, here we go. So there's there is an actual magician who apparently can do actual real magic. He did an act at the theater, which I assumed was a was a like a Broadway style theater that did shows. But instead, it's a it's a it's a strange theater that did, was a variety vaudevillian theater that had an organ and a magician. That sure. tracks to me. That tracks. Yeah. That also explains why it failed. <laughs> to be fair, 1976 didn't have a lot of call for pipe organs in theaters that had a magician as their main act i guess this if this were like branson missouri this is so the least it turns weird out thing about the episode that for whatever me. reason yeah it, okay fair the magician the pirate and why there was a why he needed to dress as a pirate or the viking and couldn't just be the magician the whole time no 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 look look <laughs> i've been would, around okay, even the I, viking i get the pirate hold, hold on i've been around enough drama people to know if you leave them with a room full of fucking costumes okay they will okay. wear all of them <laughs> i like they this. will you guys find are a reason for me. to be That's a viking I- and a magician and a goddamn pirate in the middle of a theater with a pipe organ for no reason <laughs> and the, that's and what the, i'm the saying pirate. it feels like he raided a prop closet for no reason well Guys, it turns out he raided a prop closet at the theater for no reason. Like, that is actually what happened. And so he is, uh, he he was printing money on the printing press in the basement of the theater to make money. And then when the construction of the demolition of the theater happened, it smashed the printing press. So he needed to use the printing press of the newspaper to print the money. Okay, which he knew was closed on Sundays. So he went in there. Now, how a printing press of a newspaper can also print money. uh, Printing presses are not the same. Using the same paper they use for the newspaper. (laughs) Now, he used to use origami folding in his act. Ergo, that's why we found origami. Now, I, I assume it is because he was compulsive and couldn't stop himself from making it and leaving it places because he just has a problem. That's as far as I got as to why that would even be there. Because yeah, would dude's making that. a thousand paper cranes and just <laughs> it just keeps forgetting them everywhere. That's, he's like, I'm up to eight ninety nine. Damn it, I made like forty yesterday. Why am I still at eight ninety nine? Oh God, I left two at the laundromat. I left one at the Starbucks. Oh, there's three of them in my niece's car. Wow. No, I mean, this say first off, make- also yeah. <laughs> Gina's dying. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got the corona. Uh, got it. Th- this this would make sense if he was if he was like the wet bandits from Home Alone, and he wanted to leave a calling card. Which yeah, like, he, but he it, 
he which didn't. is a very easy thing to write in there. Like yep. he could have, he could have, he could have just been an egomaniac and said like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I'm, I'm, sure. I'll get away with this, and I'm just going to leave my calling card." But there's no, no explanation nope. for it. No, nor do we see that character again. I could also point out, uh, even if yeah, it was like does- a. N- nervous tick or something like if he was like waiting in the shadows for people to leave and it's his nervous tick that he like can't control i guess that's a little heady for kids though to, to talk about a, an ocd tick <laughs> also well, a little bit insane yeah. that you would have a weird tick that would have you uh folding origami uh birds and then just leaving them all over the place <laughs> while you're committing crimes yeah because also it's he's he did it with the same paper that he uses to make the money, which is also the same paper that you could make newspapers with, and all printing presses can do all of the above. Look, there's only one type of paper in this town, and and that's that. And that's, that's what Apex, Apex sells. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's how it stays in business. So okay, so then they say, okay, let's go round up the magician. No. He's not the mastermind. The mastermind is Clem Whitaker, who owns the theater and was losing money. So he concocted the printing scheme. But since the first printer printing press went down, he needed the second one. And he's the one who just told the magician to do it. Now, where they get this implication, I don't know. But they discovered that Clem Whitaker is actually the accordionist hanging outside the newspaper where they are right now to keep an eye on them. Because apparently the Clue Club is famous because he was there when they first showed up at the newspaper, right? No, no, the second time, because they showed I, up at night the first time. I feel dumber for having watched this. I feel like it I feel like it, it had the same effect of like kids doing whippets or something. Like it killed off several of my weaker brain cells. Oh, but Gina, we're not done because the only reason they knew he was the accordionist was Clem Whitaker is because when he tipped his cap from being given the quarter in the earlier scene, is the same way he tipped his cap. Just now, I when they didn't give him a quarter. I don't know how they. I don't know how they figured that out. They but just what does that have to do with the hole in his pocket? Someone explain this to me. Nothing at all. It was a happy no, it accident. Ha- it has that they to. could hand it's, him it's, a quarter. If, no, no, if no, this doesn't. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Here's here's the thing. Plot device. When when he went down to pick up the quarter, he thanked them by tipping his hat. Okay. And thank you. This, thank you, this, Jan. This, Isn't uh, that what I just said? Tim Roth lied to me, motherfucker, realized that that was exactly the same body language. And uh, I don't know. He's he's um, he's a crazy Sherlock smarty. Yeah. And I so they like chase him and they, he trips over the dogs and they catch him. And that's the episode. I feel like now, granted, this might be because I've been watching a lot of Westworld lately. But I feel like this cartoon was not made for us. And it doesn't it doesn't look like anything to me. Uh, because I legitimately feel like there has to, there had to have been more to it than what we saw. So I feel like there's probably some sort of coded message in it that another species or, or robots or something would watch and understand perfectly, but it's not meant for us. No, 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 no. Cause here's why I know, uh, what happened here because we've talked with Flint Dilly and hearing someone like that, who, uh, like feels constrained by uh children's television the person who wrote this was like i'm gonna slip in like all of this stuff i'm gonna make a legit agatha christie style um mystery with all these twists and turns and all these clues dropped and all this stuff come together and uh, by the time it got dumbed down into a 1976 formulaic hanna-barbera cartoon 
uh, like all of all of the uh, elaborate psychology uh, got stripped away. So it feels like there's supposed to be stuff there because there was there in the dude's head. But by the time it made it to the cell animation, none of it was there. And it's just a bunch of things that happen. Oh. I mean, that's fair. I like Gina's idea that this is a coded message in the Cold War <laughs> era for the Russians to know where the stockpile is. And they just put it in there. All you man, if you want to if you want to tell the Russians where the stockpile is, you write a coded message, you put it in a hollow bone and you give it to two vaudeville dogs who are going to fuck it up, but eventually make it to the 13 year old who's your goddamn fence. I believe that was their plan to win the Cold War for the record. So they also, am I wrong? Like, I I know 13 year olds and this girl, <laughs> the, the voice acting is she's acting like a six year old. Like she sounds like she's six, and it was really feel, throwing me off because I no, feel no, like what was one line. There was one line earlier, <laughs> at the very beginning of the show, where she says, "You won't be saying that when I'm 14," <laughs> and I, that one just hit me weird. No, because you know why? Because the the original character was six years old, and there was some weird uh, sexualized. <laughs> Uh, oh, thing that uh-huh. one of the characters says in a later uh, episode, and oh, the no. uh, the network's execs were like, "Dude, could you age her up a little bit? Because it's really <laughs> weird." And it was like, "Yeah, you're what's right, the age of consent right. in Kentucky?" And they're like, 13 <laughs> Like thirteen? Okay, done." Yeah, you're right. I think because I feel like the teenager, the other kids are probably like seventeen, so maybe they also wanted to keep alive the possibility that she'd hook up with one of them later on. Because who is oh, she? God. Is she one of their? Is she one of their siblings? Who? who, who is? What are any of their relationships to each other? Nothing is established. They're just people who but solve crimes. It's the pilot episode. You can't just have a little girl hang out with like seventeen or eighteen year olds and not explain who she is in the pilot episode. Well, they just did. Did anyone, did yes, anyone do can. a deep dive on this? Did anyone do a deep dive on the Wikipedia no, no page research. for this? No, I did none. I didn't want to after seeing it. I nope. want nothing to do with this show. Nope. nope. Patreon's going to suggest another episode just I'm to piss go, us off, I'm, and we're going to become the I'm Clue Club show. It. First of all, it has a six point nine. It has a six point nine out of ten on IMDb. That um, is like, way too that's high. The rating that they gave to that. Mm-mm. It aired on. Well, they didn't put anything that was anti-gun or anti-video game, so no one's in there to bomb it. Unfortunately. Oh, uh, I mean, people I know, with taste should have bombed oh, it. Okay, here's some info. Clue Club replaced Scooby Doo. Oh, when they when Ooh. they left, uh, um, right? Didn't uh, yeah. didn't they leave Hanna Barbera and well, uh, went they, to another the, studio? No, I, uh, it said the original. So so it was shown on Saturday mornings on CBS. The original home of Scooby Doo, where are you? Which Clue Club replaced? Scooby Doo is being groomed for its move to ABC. So I don't Freaking think they, Drake. I don't. I think they just parted ways with the network, and the network said, "Fuck you, we're gonna do." Uh an exact same thing. But then also right, after, after it aired, this is bonkers. After they aired that season, the first season, it appeared under the title woofer and whimper dog detectives. Sure. Wait, Did they get, <laughs> tell me they got rid of the, the kids completely. Uh, it, do, it doesn't say, dude, if we had to just follow around those two dogs and not have anything else going on, I'm this might have been the, I might have been fine as suiting it by the end of this episode. I'm not going to lie. Oh wait, that's it for me. Pepper is Dottie's older sister. Oh okay. And and Dee Dee is sense. initials. It's just initials. D dot D dot. Oh, and it okay. ne- and they never revealed what it stood for. 
<laughs> it's obviously Danny because I picked up on that. Thank you. Dirt dog. <laughs> Dirty this, dog. It's it's an early incarnation of ODB. Well, guys, yeah. what is our final thoughts on Clue Club today? Because uh, this is, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're going to scrub this from our brains immediately. Immediate. First off, Channing Sherman, thank you so much for suggesting it. We appreciate you on Patreon. You found you found a good brain melter this week, and we we did it. Thank you, but also go to hell. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Channing Sherman, it it doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's all we have to say about Clue Club. The, the sooner we're done with it, the better. Guys, watch this episode. Like, really. And I'm not going to tell you to use um, uh, uh, some sort of uh, uh, thing to alter your uh, mood. <laughs> but I might suggest do something. Watch this episode and then and then try to make sense of it if you Look, haven't you're, already. You're locked up in your house. Take some edibles and just have a go at this thing. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But if you felt like Ray, it, what and, are you and, running, the, you're running for office here. What's going on? Uh, listen, I'm not, but the family at, is <laughs> at, at the end of this thing. Either way, you could be blitzed out of your mind. You could be high on that, uh, limitless pill that makes you super smart. <laughs> oh, uh, either way, still won't get it. at the end of this. Yeah. You'll be like, I don't know. I don't know what just happened. What are those dogs? Do those dogs talk? Do they or really? Cause it feels like they, uh, I don't know, man. I I'm just going to go do some, from- some astrophysics or something. The limitless guy takes the pill, watches the entirety of this episode, but right before the final reveal, and he's just like, I, I just I have no fucking clue. I could solve every theorem known to man. This episode has escaped me. If they ever make a lawnmower man four, just see if they're gonna show this cartoon to the lawnmower man just as he's about to like take over the entire internet and it's gonna melt God. him. Oh, and he's gonna God, go back to being this. dumb Jeff Fahey. Oh, I don't know about this. I love this so much. Uh, okay, guys, that's going to be the end of this episode. Uh, you can hit us up on our Facebook.com slash Knowing Us Half the Podcast or Patreon if you want to suggest episodes as well that we do on the show. Patreon.com slash Knowing Us Half the Podcast. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at G.I. Joe Podcast. You can also hit up at Prez Serpentor with a Z where President Serpentor has got the whole country on lockdown due to a, due to uh, some sort of virus. Wouldn't you know it? It's, he calls it the G.I. Joe virus, weirdly enough. He's trying to really control the language on that. <laughs> When, when and it turns out Major Blood got it, so oh, you know, terrible, <laughs> terrible news for all. Uh, otherwise, do you guys have anything you guys want to plug? Gina, Chan, anything you guys want to talk about? Oh, you guys, uh, uh, we we are on lockdown, Ray. We are trapped in our apartments. What do you think we would right. possibly have to plug? <laughs> Other podcasts, because that's literally the only thing to do right now. Yeah, uh, WW recap where we watch uh, Raw and. I tell you what, if you think Clue Club is weird, Raw right now oh, is boy. bananas. And WrestleMania is a week away. They're going to be doing it at their tiny ass training center. The whole thing is just the whole situation is is so bizarre. Bonkers. So uh, bizarre. And also, hey, you guys, like, go go check out our Patreon because it's not that much. And we literally have dozens. I probably 60 ish. Uh, episodes of like other cartoons uh, beyond yeah, G.I. Joe more than that. No, I'm saying like uh, 60 like uh, other separate series uh, like this one, like this Clue Club that we've done in addition a to a whole bunch that. of 
uh one-offs and we've done like multiples of like batman the animated series and stuff like that and like there's a crap ton of content in there and if you want to escape have a little nostalgia fix like you can't do much better than that it's true patreon.com slash knowing is half the podcast i'll just jump in there chan because look you got five bucks and you got nothing to do and nowhere to go watch some old cartoons and then enjoy them with us yeah that's the thing do it yeah and tell you what uh sign up and and message us and we'll send you a t-shirt i think i can do that right I got some um, t-shirts. Actually, I think I have one more t-shirt I need to, I need you to send out. Somebody got back to me late with an address chance. So uh, oh, okay, totally cool. separate uh, from all of this, but we're going to do that. <laughs> I don't I don't actually know if I could get out to the post office to do it, but uh if I if I can, I will. And if not, it is. Uh, we'll do it in a couple <laughs> weeks. We'll get you. We'll weeks. get you at some point. We got you. I hope you like Excel. <laughs> Uh, anyways, guys, that's all the plugging we're going to do this week. Uh you can also hit us up on Twitter uh, individually. I am at Almighty Ray. At 999 RPMs. I'm at Gina Ippy. And that's going to do it for Clue Club. Channing, thank you so much. C.S. Sherman, you're the man. Uh, Clue Club was... It hurt. It hurt a lot. <laughs> Good night, everybody. You go in first, Wimpo. <laughs> Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found.